Welcome. Together, we're going to explore our personal finances and figure out how to improve them. Whether you're just getting started in life on your finances, or you may already have a home and a car payment and you're struggling to get credit cards under control, or you're getting a later start in life on saving for retirement, ReducedDebtIncreasedWealth.com is a podcast to educate those to improve personal finances, whether it's eliminating debt or making smart investments. Welcome, and Mr. Chuck here. To get started, I'd like to talk a little bit about myself. I'm a retired accountant, 20-plus years being an accountant, doing mostly tax and small business accounting. I sold off my business and became a truck driver because, basically, I got tired of doing the same thing over and over again, but little did I know driving a truck was especially doing the same thing. The best part about being a truck driver, not only do I make a lot of money, I think, but when I turn that key off, I'm done. Being an accountant doesn't work out so much like that. Over the years, I have struggled personally with keeping my debt under control. There was many factors in this. Whether I was just graduated from college, I had nothing other than clothes on my back, and a place to live with some fraternity brothers. I had to buy a car. I had to buy stuff, new clothes, suit, whatever, find a job, and get started in life. Many of you experienced similar or the same thing. Well, this doesn't come cheaply either. So I had to borrow money to buy a car. I thought I needed a new car. So it was gas prices were up. So I bought a small little Ford. Fiesta, I think it was, that got great gas mileage, but it had a car payment. Start one of debt problems. Then I wanted to buy a house. Well, back in the 80s when Carter was president, I'm not knocking him, I'm just saying, savings, interest rates that you got on your savings were 17, 18% was great. I didn't have any savings, so that didn't help me any. Unfortunately, mortgages were 11 to 14%. I got lucky. I hit a spot where I got a mortgage on my first home, 12 and a quarter percent, compared to today at under 3%. Well, the only thing you can do when you have to pay so much in interest is buy a lot less home, which is what I did. I bought what I could afford. So I had a car. I had a house. The house needed fixing up. I remodeled the kitchen. I remodeled the bathroom. I had a two-car garage built out back, extended at the driveway. And guess what? I had more debt. Some of it on credit cards. Some of it on equity line of credit. It just kept piling up. I got to the point when I was in my late 20s or maybe early 30s, I thought, is this worth it? I go to work every day. I get paid every other week because I work for the government. I pay all my bills. I have maybe enough money to buy groceries. At this time, even groceries, if you bought exactly the same thing each week, it would go up five, ten bucks. Inflation was very high. I was like falling farther and farther behind. 
many of you are in the same situation. The only difference is the numbers. My first home was inexpensive compared to what you're paying today. My first car didn't cost all that much compared to what you're paying today. It's just a number thing. It's just relative. So I start, I need to get this under control. So I started working on my credit card debt. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just, you know, I was an accountant, accounting background from college. I thought, well, I'll just, you know, keep track of everything, keep my bank account reconciled, make sure I know what my, how much money I got. When I get a little extra money, I'll apply it to whichever credit card has the highest interest rate, try to get it pay down as fast as possible. And it basically, over time, worked. And I got my credit cards paid down. I got my, you know, I got, enough pay down I had equity in the house where I would be able to and the value of the house went up and then after five years I was able to sell it make a big profit so I paid off all those loans had a big enough down payment to move up to the house I'm still in today and that was 25 28 years ago this house I've been 28 years ago will be paid off in full with all out of my debt in the next 12 months or less I struggled until four years ago. I had three or four credit cards that the balance never got paid off. I had two car loans. I had an equity line of credit. I had my first mortgage. Unfortunately, over the years, I kept making more and more money. I was able to refinance the house, shorten up the terms, pay more money, and get it paid down. My monthly, you know, I had a $1,200 a month first mortgage. And then I finally refinanced that when I got enough equity built up. I, actually, I got the loan paid down. I was able to refinance it to a 10-year loan, $500 a month. If I have a bad week at work, I have enough money to pay my mortgage. So then I studied online what's, you know, the best way to pay down debt how to do it, do this, do that. And it's just like, they all have good ideas. They all are right. Everything I'm going to say in this podcast, I learned somewhere else. I just applied it all together, customized it, so it worked even better. You got in debt over time, just like eating and gaining weight. You gain weight over time. You're not going to lose it overnight. You're not going to lose it all in two months or three months. It's going to take you time. So if you got three or four credit cards with high balances, you got a car loan, maybe two car loans, maybe a mortgage, maybe a line of credit, you're not going to do it overnight. You're not going to do three easy tips, tricks, and get out of debt fast. There's no getting out of debt fast. You'd be lucky to be out of debt six to eight years if you apply yourself. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to cut back too much. You just got to be smarter of where your money is going. So to make that point, why do you need to pay off your debt? Well, a lot of you just want to be debt-free. Maybe you want to pay your debt down so you can buy a second vacation home. Maybe a cabin in the woods. Maybe you want to buy that expensive boat you really don't need. Maybe you want to retire early. There's many, many ways and reasons people want to be debt-free. 
financially secure, a lot less conflict in the household. So I'm going to read to you two articles. One is, if I wait till I'm in my 40s to start saving for retirement, what do I need to do? How much do I need to save? The other article is the reverse. It's, well, if I start savings from day one, when I first get my first job out of college, how early can I retire, and what's the problem with that? Here's how much of your salary you need to save for retirement if you start after age 45. This article I found in the USA Today, written by Christy Biber from The Motley Fool. Deciding how much to save for retirement can be complicated. One common technique to simplify things is to invest a percentage of your income. Traditionary financial experts often recommend setting aside 10% of earnings for your later years. But thanks to lengthening lifespans and lower projected returns, it's usually better to aim for about 15 to 20% of income. Of course, this recommendation is for people who save throughout their careers, but not everyone does that. In fact, many people get a late start on their retirement savings and don't begin putting aside funds until they're in their mid-40s. If you delay until middle age to start savings, you obviously have far less time for your money to grow. To compensate, you need to invest more in your retirement accounts. But how much more is required to end up a financially secure senior? If you need to save a shocking amount if you start until your 40s. What you need to save if you wait until 45 is going to be shaped by factors including your goals for retirement and whether you have other sources of retirement income, such as a pension fund. In general, however, a survey from Schwab shows that you need to save a whopping 35% of your salary if you don't start putting retirement funds aside until 45. To understand why you have to save so much, consider how you'd fare as a retiree. If you're earning the medium salary for workers 45 to 54, you'll have $54,028 in household income, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. If you get a 2% annual raise, you'll find final salary would be about $81,888 if you retire at 67. Most experts recommend replacing around 80% of retirement income to maintain your standard of living in retirement. Assuming your Social Security benefits provide you with about 40% of that amount, you need an additional $32,755 in income from savings. You'll end up with about $993,000 saved, assuming you kept up your 35% savings rate throughout the rest of your career and earn a 7% rate of return. Assuming you withdrew somewhere around 3.5% of your retirement nest egg annually, you should have the funds you need plus a little bit extra. Unfortunately, if your contribution rate blow fell below 35% in income, you end up with far too little. For example, those who start saving when they're young can often get away with putting aside just 15% of, their, of annual income. If you start doing that at 45, you end up with just over 425000 This would provide over only $14,875 in annual income, so you'd be far short of what you need. How can you increase your savings rate? 
If you wait to start investing for retirement until you're 45, you may have little choice but get read really aggressive about savings. Start by looking for big expenses to cut from your budget. This could mean switching to a far less expensive car or a cheaper apartment or house. Increasing your income could also be necessary if you can't cut enough from your budget. If you can't negotiate raises at work, picking up a side job could be your best bet. As you free up cash from cutting expenses or you earn more, contribute the money directly to a tax-advantaged retirement account such as a 401k or an IRA. Automate your account contributions to ensure your savings enough and increase those contributions every time you get a raise or find new ways to cut your costs until you get hit the essential 35% savings rate. Don't jeopardize your retirement for waiting too long to save. Saving 35% of your salary is really difficult. If you're still young, start saving now so you don't find yourself forced to sacrifice so much later on. While it may seem hard to find spare cash, it's a lot easier than if you delay. If you're already in your 40s, try to work up a savings a significant percentage of income as soon as possible so you're prepared for your later years. You still have some time and you can turn things around if you get serious about savings. Just a few notes about that article. If you're in the 45 to 54 age range, your full retirement age, or FRA as known by Social Security, won't be until you're 67. So if you retire any time before that, you can retire as early as 62, but you're going to get reduced benefits. And remember, you don't get Medicare until age 65. And if you retire too early and your spouse never worked or worked very little and her benefit's going to be based off your earnings, she's going to get reduced benefits because her retirement date is the same as your retirement date. So now for the next article is what what's going to happen if you decide to I want to retire early, like when I'm 40. What do I have to do, and what's the consequences of doing that? Is it possible to retire by 40? Here's what would have to happen by Marie Beckman, the Motley Foo. I get all my articles from the USA Today app. These days, a large number of working, workers are exiting the workforce extremely early, as early as age 40. In fact, retiring at 40 is far from easy, but it is possible. You just need to commit to that goal and make sure the sacrifice to get there is worth it. If your goal is to leave the workforce by age 40, you need to start saving for retirement the moment you start collecting a paycheck. You also need to house your savings strategically to avoid being penalized for tapping your nest egg prematurely. Here are the, there are tax benefits to funding a 401k or IRA in exchange. The IRS wants your money left alone until you're 59 and a half. That's fine for most retirees, but it's not going to work if your goal is to stop working by the time you turn 40. Therefore, think about where you put your money. A traditional brokerage account may be your best bet because that way you get to invest your money to grow it into a larger sum, but you also maintain complete flexibility over your savings. Now let's talk about how much you need to save and invest to make retirement by age 40 possible. 
First, you have to figure out how much income you need to pay your basic living costs on a yearly basis. You also need to figure out what you'll do with your time once you retire at such a young age and how much it will cost. When you run these numbers, keep in mind you need to pay for private health insurance or otherwise run the risk that comes with not having coverage, a route that's certainly not recommended. It will be years before Medicare eligibility kicks in, so factor that expense into your budget. Once you determine how much annual income you need if you want to retire at 40, you have to save for it. For a regular retirement, one that begins in your 60s, saving 15 to 20% of your earnings may suffice. For a super early retirement, you may save 50% of your income or more. But if you're willing to live well below your means throughout your working years, you can manage to sock away quite a large sum. In fact, let's assume you save and invest aggressively between the ages of 22 and 40, so much so that your portfolio delivers an average yearly 8% return on your money that's just a touch below the stock market's average. Here's what you stand to accumulate. Note that the figures below are slightly rounded upwards. Savings amount by month, 2000 a month for 18 years. Average 8% return, you should have 900000 4000 a month, $1.8 million. 3000 a month, $1.35 million. These numbers may paint an encouraging picture, but there's a couple things to keep in mind. 900000 may be a nice sum to retire if you're leaving the workforce at age 65, but when you're retiring at 40, it could end up being a surprisingly small sum. $1.8 million is a healthier sum to retire at 40, but doing so requires you sock away 48000 a year from your wages, so if you're not a high earner, that may be not possible. Is retiring by age 40 worth the sacrifice? Clearly, it's possible to exit the workforce by the time your 40th birthday rolls around. But whether doing so is worth the sacrifice at hand is a different story. Say you do need $1.8 million to retire at 40 and live comfortably, and you earn $100,000 a year. To do so would mean parting with more than half of your post-tax salary. Remember, there are no tax breaks associated with a traditional brokerage account. That could mean never taking vacation, spending little or no money on leisure, forcing yourself to live in a cramped studio apartment. Maybe you're willing to do those things to retire when you want to, and that's totally fine. But if you don't want to go to such a major extreme, consider a compromise. This could involve retiring a bit later in life, but at an age that's still considered early, say 50 or 55, or it could mean switching careers at 40, so you're doing something that pays a lot less but brings you a lot more satisfaction. There are different options to play around with, so your takeaway here is that while retiring by 40 is something that can be done, it may not be the best choice for you. My takeaway on the last article, Retiring Early. First of all, you need to have a financial planner. I'm going to say that outright. A trusted financial planner that's a fiduciary. He's not going to charge you every time he makes a trade, who but charges you a commission based on the value of your portfolio. Second note, if you're going to retire at 40, the article states a good fact that if you put money in a 401k or IRA or any type of uh, reducing tax savings plan, you cannot take it out to 59 and a half. The article pretty much is saying, 
don't use those. I'm saying you need to divide up your investment. You need to have some of your money going into uh, a a deferred retirement account, such as a 401k or an IRA, especially a 401k if your employer is matching it. You got to at least do the minimum match, 2%, 3%, whatever it is, or you'd be giving away free money that your employer is willing to pay you. Secondly, if you do have $1.8 million and you retire at 40 and you spend all that money in the next 20 years because you went overboard for whatever reason, what are you going to do when you hit your 60s? Social Security is not going to cover it unless you have everything paid off, you have zero debt, have your house, everything. You never need to buy anything. Social Security is not going to be enough. So, by reducing your debt, at, at this particular case, if you start at 20, you retire at 40, you cannot incur any debt whatsoever. Period. I mean, it's pretty common sense. If you're going to start saving for retirement at 45, you need to have your debt pay down far enough where you can afford to put in 35% or more of your gross income to have a retirement money saved up. So whichever way you go, it doesn't really matter. The less debt you have, the better off you're going to be. So now I'm going to go over tip one, tip two, how to get out of debt, what my plan is, and how it works. First thing you need, and I stated it earlier, if you were listening and paying attention, I reconciled my bank statement. I knew exactly how much money I had in my checking account pretty much all the time. I knew what my expenses going forward was coming up. I knew my utility bills are going to be paid this pay period. I knew my car payment need to be paid. I knew two or three credit cards need to be paid between pay period A and pay period B. Pretty simple. I'm looking forward, not back. You're here getting out debt people saying you need a budget. And I agree with that. But my budget is looking forward, not backwards. Don't set a budget. I'm only going to spend $500 a month and put the money in an envelope then when you spent $500 a month, you're done. Um, that's, that's in the rears. You need to look forward in life. What's coming up? What do I need to pay? What's the minimum I can pay? And how much money I need? And do I have enough in my checking account? If you're paying bank fees for overdrawn, bad check, bounce checks, whatever you want to call it, if you're paying those fees, you're wasting money. The second thing you need is a savings account. So, as you know, everybody tells you, only pay the minimum amount on your debt. Make only the minimum payments. What I did was I even set up a budget or a, a monthly payment on my utilities where I pay the same amount for my gas, for the home, my electric. I tried to keep everything simple the same amount every month i can plan for if it's going to be ten dollars in the summer 
$500 in a winter. That's too hard to plan for. I'd rather pay $50, $60 every month, no matter what. It's just easier. So think about that. So, one, only pay the minimum on your debt. Two, reconcile your bank account. Know how much money you have at all times. Three, have a savings account and put money in there. So if you don't have a savings account, go to your bank, open a savings account. Most of them are $50 minimum to get started. A note, the federal FDCA only allows you to take six withdrawals a month from savings. That shouldn't be a problem because we're hoping to put money in there and leave it in there. We're going to take it out eventually, but we're not going to do it six or six more than six times a month, maybe two or three, but you should be good. Now, let's talk about reconciling the checking. You can go online now. You know, I got my checking account online. I can go in. I can look. I know how much I got. How many other websites you go to? How many credit card sites you go to? How many loans you go to and you have an automatic deduction coming out? Automatic payment when it's due. I do that all the time. Car loan. Okay, I'll pay that car loan every month. I set it up. I forget about it. Credit card. Set up minimum payment when it's due. Okay. Those numbers need to be deducted from your balance. If those numbers are coming due in the next pay period range between your last paycheck and your next paycheck. So what you want to try to figure out, I got paid on Friday. I get paid next Friday or two weeks on a Friday. How much money I got last pay. What's everything that's going to come out. Also include groceries, gas going out to restaurants, whatever you do, and those numbers. So take your balance, subtract it all out. Make sure you have at least two, $300 minimum balance in your checking account. Anything more than that, deposit it in your savings. Pretty simple. But now you're going to ask, well, how much I know what my grocery is going to be? Go back two or three times, two, three last times you went to a grocery store. Add it up, three numbers, divide it by three, that's an average. Go three or four times you went to the gas station. Add it up, divide it by three or four, that's your average. Plug those numbers. That's going to get your close. That's why we have a minimum of two or $300 that we never want to go below your checking account. I recommend 300 You could go 500 just to be safe. Maybe start at 500 at the beginning, and then as you get more precise, you can reduce it down to 300 so that you can get more money in your savings. I know that savings don't pay anything, so I'm not too concerned about that. But our goal here is to build up that savings account because anybody you're listening to, anybody else, is going to say you need an emergency fund. What's an emergency fund? Emergency fund is something you have in case something pops up you're not planning on, such as you need new tires for your car, 
your car breaks down. It needs to be repaired because you still got to go to work. So that would be money you save for your emergency fund. Financial experts say three months, six months of your expenses. Some of them say six months to a year of your income. It doesn't really matter. I say expenses because that's what you're going to need to pay if something bad happens, such as one, one if you're married and your spouse gets laid off or your income drops for whatever reason, you'll have enough money to cover without using credit because you need to stop creating new credit. So let's go over this again. One, make minimum payments on all your credit cards and all your loans. Two, reconcile your checking account. Know exactly how much money you have. Three, project forward what you're going to be spending. Any loans coming up between pay period to pay period, credit card payments, whatever, grocery bills, gas, child support, child care, whatever you're spending money on, project it forward, figure out how much you need to have. Add $300, add $500 to it. Anything in excess of that you still have left over, put in your savings, try to stick to those numbers. That's the end of another episode. I hope you found it useful. And if you'd like to share this episode with your friends, please do so. I'm open for any suggestions for improvement or for information that you would like to talk about in future episodes. You can go to my Facebook page and leave me a message. I'm more than glad to comply. To find my Facebook page, go to ReducedDebtIncreasedWealth.com and click on the Facebook icon to go to my Facebook website.